They've already heard the sermon once. They're blessed, so they're taken off. That's understandable. They are going home, which when we come to church, we should be thinking about going home, shouldn't we? Going home versus going home. It's good to be here with you. I'm battling a little cold this week, so I have a little water here. And um, yeah, that fun thing is going around. Um, The other fun thing going around for me was the last two weeks, uh, my wife and I have been moving for the ninth time in 27 years. Uh, But we only moved a half a mile. Some people I told I was moving and they were happy about that. I didn't know how to interpret that. And some people were like, oh, no, you can't leave. And, but we moved a half a mile. If you've had a moving experience lately with moving, you know that it uh, tears things up. So between a cold and moving and preparing a sermon, which is always a little nerve-wracking, and they say public speaking is the number one fear when they survey people, more than death. Some people would rather die <laughs> than speak in public. And... Uh, I've been doing it since my dad let me preach when I was about 14 in little churches in Ohio. He turned me loose with my little uh, index cards, and uh, I just have to trust that the Spirit was moving in some way in those talks. But even 30, 40 years later, it's, uh, it's nerve-wracking to come up. And the night before, I'm always scared to death. My alarm's not going to go off, and I'm going to be late to church and lose my friendship with Pastor Jeff. So, But... <clears throat> Let's pray, and then we'll talk a little about going home. Father in heaven, we are here to worship you. We are here to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us through your word. We are here anticipating your soon return, and we're here looking for ways to share you with others as we wait for that return. May we hear your spirit and listen today in Jesus' name, amen. I've said this many times when I come up here, I like to talk about my dad. I miss my dad, Walter Sherman. He's been sleeping in Jesus for 13 years, and I cannot wait to go home and see him again. So many years for me, home was going home to Ohio to see my mom and dad. Now when I go back to Ohio, I'm really excited to see my mom, but there's a half-empty void that dad isn't there. And when I was in college at Andrews in the 80s, I had a tradition. Every year for the Masters Golf Tournament, no, I didn't go to the tournament, I wish I could. I would go home that weekend and watch the Masters with my dad, who was a very avid golfer, who loved golf, and uh, we would watch the Masters together. So that was something that I looked forward to. And I have this great memory for you golf historians. If I say the year 1986, the Masters, was the year that um, Jack Nicklaus won the Masters at 46 years of age. And I used to say, wow, 46 is old. Now, 46 doesn't look too bad. (laughs) I remember going home and... My dad grew up in Worthington and Columbus in that area, so he followed Jack Nicholas a lot. And they were near the same ages. So we cheered him on and jumped off the couch and were so excited to watch that together. That's a great, great memory um, of going home to do things with dad. I'm sure many of you have going home stories. 
Um, we have an, in our house, my brother has about 15, 20 cases of something. Does anybody remember slides? Remember slides? And actually, I remember in Kettering, Ohio in the 70s and 80s, we would go to travelogues. We would go to the school gym and someone who had been to Europe would show their slides of the trip. And this was, this was pretty fun and exciting. Well, we have all these cases of family slides at home. Um, and when I used to go home, we, my dad would always say, let's show a slideshow. And we'd be like, oh, family slides, yay. <laughs> I wish we could do it now together. But um, so we had all these errors of our life, baby pictures, wedding pictures. But there's one slide that, that just burns in uh, <clears throat> my mind. Yeah, it's a slide of someone who, who, who used to be a member here, <clears throat> excuse me, James Thomas was a doctor here at Florida Hospital for 20, 30 years. But <clears throat> in the 1960s, he served a year in Vietnam as a medical doctor, 1966. And we have a picture of his wife, my aunt, my only aunt in the world, the sister of my mom in that picture, and their parents, their faces when he came off the plane in Chicago returning from Vietnam. And I can just see, I don't have it. I wish it would have been, it would have been like finding um, the Ark of the Covenant in the archives of the United States or wherever it's hidden. It would have just been too hard to find it. But that picture's burned in my mind, the joy in their face of him coming home. Church, good news for us, we're going home soon. And Jesus is going to have a big smile on his face when we go. And I've always tried to imagine, where do I get to meet my dad? On the ground, in the clouds? It would seem in the clouds from the biblical explanation. Somewhere along the line, that reunion is going to be so cool. I can't wait to go home. The other thing I know when we go home, I know that my wife and I are going to receive a little baby that we lost. We know that the angel is going to bring us that little baby, and we're so excited. We haven't named it yet. But how exciting that we get to raise it in a place, no crying, dying, no hurt. Looking forward to that. So I get, I get a baby, I get my dad, my grandparents, family, friends. Um, we're going home, church. We're going home. So no matter what we're going through now, we have the certainty that we're going home. And I was talking to somebody this week too, and they were saying, we were talking about this, and they said, I hope I go to heaven. I have news for you. Jesus doesn't want you to hope. He wants you to know that he's prepared a place for you. The cross took care of your sins. And if you haven't gotten that straightened out yet, go get that figured out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So if you're sitting here today and you think, I cannot be forgiven for some of the things I've done, there is nothing that Jesus is not willing to forgive you of. And I can tell you with my three kids, I'm not going to tell the stories, but some of the dumb things that they've done, I still love them and forgive them regardless. And Jesus is the same with us. So we have the salvation issue resolved. Now we are in the process 
of going home. We're between the Garden of Eden and the New Jerusalem. And since that Garden of Eden, a lot of weeds have grown into our lives, have they not? A lot of thistles, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. But we know where we're going to. Along with uh, my uncle who returned from Vietnam, I remember in the early 70s when I was in elementary school, pictures of American prisoners of war coming home. Do you remember these pictures? We've got a couple on the screen. This is the classic picture, some pictures. You remember a thing called magazines like Time and Newsweek and Life? And before we had CNN and all this other stuff, you would see these pictures in magazines, and this is a classic of, uh, you can see the man coming back and his two daughters and two sons and wife running to greet him. There was great euphoria and joy with these, and here's a group of them coming home. Um, yeah, that, that they are just so excited and happy uh, to come back. And we as Christians, we've got that to look forward to. We are gonna have one big celebration when we go, are we not? We are gonna have a big, big homecoming party. So, I don't know if you remember airports when you used to be able to walk your family to the gate. Do you remember that? And then when you arrived, I still, I'm gonna to go to my dad again. He was very, he'd be up there jumping up and down, waving, whistling, and you could see them in the windows waving. Remember, you could see the people waving and um, my wife and I lived in Puerto Rico for 16 years, and the airport at Puerto Rico is an incredible experience when people are landing and coming because every living relative in Latin America comes to the airport <laughs> to greet them. And if you have room, you bring the neighbors and church members. And um, the first time I got off there, I thought I was going to be taken hostage. I mean, it was... It was so, and this was before the security where they pushed you back and everything. And, uh, but it was the joy of getting there. And the other thing I loved about Puerto Rico is when you would fly back to Puerto Rico, when the plane lands, everybody claps. Now, it might be good for us today any time a plane lands <laughs> to clap. But the reason for that was just we're home to Puerto Rico and uh, just the joy of going through that experience. So... Airports are a fun place. You watch people coming home. You watch people going. We have those experiences. So who wants to go home with me? Where do you call home? Where are the places in your lifetime that have been home for you? And I said in the earlier service, I'm 52, been married 26 years. So half of my life, home is where my wife is at. That's home. If it's a tent somewhere and we're together, that's home. But before marriage, home was parents' home where mom and dad were. And so, you know, I don't know where you in life, if you're younger, home is where your parents are. If you're older, some of you, it could be, you could be alone at home. Um, but where are the places that you've called home and where do you really feel at home? Uh, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, lived in Northern Ohio growing up. My dad was a pastor, so we moved around a little. Uh, we went to Wilmington, Delaware when I was five, and we were only one year there. And I never got the story from my dad, but if you're a pastor and you're only someplace one year, probably a story behind that. Um, so we were one year there, 
And then when I really could remember things, we moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I love Philadelphia, Greater Philadelphia Junior Academy, first five years there. Went and saw the Liberty Bell about a hundred times because anytime anyone came to visit you, they wanted to see the Liberty Bell. I loved Philadelphia, had great friends there, loved the school. Uh, my dad was the band director and it was really cool, this was cool. The band, there were like 15, 20 people who didn't know how to play too well they would visit all the constituent churches. And I thought that was so cool to play my trumpet. I got to do it one time and then my dad moved. So I wasn't too happy, but I didn't want to leave Philadelphia. We went to Centerville, Ohio, Kettering, Ohio, uh, Spring Valley Academy, great years there. After that, I called Berrien Springs home for six years for college and seminary. Did my internship in Cicero, Indiana for one year. Now, let me make straight, one year there's an internship. You're assigned for one year, as opposed to just going and staying. Uh, my wife and I, when we were first married, we live in Chicago. Uh, um, she's from Puerto Rico, so we lived in Chicago. We moved to Puerto Rico for 16 years. We called Puerto Rico home, and I loved it there, had a great time. Very interesting, Puerto Rico is connected to the United States as a commonwealth. So you have the American National Anthem and the Puerto Rican Anthem. So it was very moving for me to hear the American National Anthem and sort of not feeling at home, but knowing I was at home. And so we were there 16 years, and then we went to Minnesota for five years. Little temperature change, uh, Caribbean to Minnesota. We had a great time at Maplewood Academy, where I was principal for five years. So we went Chicago cold, Puerto Rico warm, Minnesota cold. Now we're in Florida. My wife lives in fear of where we're going next. Um, she actually says, too, that she says, um, she has a medical condition that cold affects her, and she, she says that she used to think hell was warm, but she's convinced it's the other temperature. Um, but those are the places we've called home, and we, Florida is now our home, and we've invested the last five years here, and we want to stay a long, long time. But I found this fun thing on, on the internet called Google Earth. Have ever, any of you ever done that? And I've been able to go back and look at the homes that I used to live in, Philadelphia, and I can look at the school, and you can, you know, and it's so fun to see from that perspective the places that you used to live. So what does going home mean to you? Think about it. Where does it feel like home to you? If you've ever lived in a dorm, a college dorm or an academy dorm, you know the joy of going home. And if you've ever been in the hospital, you know the joy of going home. Again, my, my dad had three open heart surgeries in his life. First one, he was 41, then he had one when he was about 50, and then when he was 60, he had a heart valve. And I remember specifically the last time we took him home because the doctor said he's got about a 10% chance to get through the surgery. But if you don't do the surgery, he's gonna be in a wheelchair and he won't be able to function. And he said, I wanna spend time with my grandkids, I wanna golf, I wanna garden, let's do this. So. He had his heart valve surgery, he came through it, and I remember how happy we were, how happy he was to leave the hospital, to come out to the fresh air, the sunshine, to take him home 
right? There's nothing like your bed at home. There's nothing like your lazy boy at home. There's nothing like home. How good it feels to be home. We are in that in-between phase now, Eden and the New Jerusalem, where we know where we're going, but we're just not there yet. And we're living among the weeds and thistles. Well, what does Jesus want to say to you and me today? And it's very clear in John 14, one through three. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Some translations say rooms. If this were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Is that certain? That is rock certain. We know that. A place for you. A place for me. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. We need Jesus to come. God operates in a time frame that's different than ours, but it's time to go. There's just too much stuff going on in this world. And if you have children or grandchildren, um, you just worry and are concerned. My, my middle daughter lives in Chicago by herself. She's about this tall. And uh, my younger daughter is about this tall. She's a freshman at Southern. And whenever I go out and would introduce this is my college daughter. When the younger one was high, in high school, they always thought the taller one was the college one. And the little one would get so mad. And I pray every morning, I pray, Lord, my kids are in your hands because they're not in my home anymore. They're in my heart and soul, but take care of them. And I have a prayer I say every morning, Lord, I ask for my son, my two daughters, my wife and I in your kingdom. Do not treat us as we deserve. Have mercy on us and bring us into your kingdom. And I trust that he will. That gives me a great hope and assurance. And um, now with technology, we text and we call and we do all this stuff. And there was a day a couple months ago, my Chicago daughter would not answer her phone, which is unusual. And I called her work and she wasn't at work. And I called her house, and she wasn't there. Then I called her boyfriend, and he hadn't heard from her. Whew. So I went into the scenarios in my head. And finally, what did I do? I called the police. I called the police, and to their credit, uh, they got out there pretty fast, knocked on the door, just waiting for terrible news. She had overslept. She had not set her alarm. She was very mad at me for sending the police. <laughs> Frankly, I didn't really care. I was actually at that time home visiting my mother in Ohio and I was literally on the floor crying because I was pretty sure that th this was not gonna end in a good way. Now many times in life some of these stories don't end in good ways. Um, I, wasn't, I can't say that I'm happy that my dad died of leukemia at 66, but I am happy I know for sure I'm gonna see him again. I have no doubt about that. Recently the gospel singer Andre Crouch passed away and if you know Andre Crouch, 
uh, he wrote with the Gaithers and other groups in the 70s, 80s. But he, he wrote some songs, maybe you've heard The Blood was one of them that he wrote. And another song that he wrote that I told my wife I was going to sing it this week, but I got a cold, so I'm sparing you the musical version. But the song he wrote, Soon and Very Soon, We Are Going to See the King. And then the second verse is, No More Crying There, We're Going to See the King. And the last verse is, No More Dying There, I'm Tired of Crying, Tired of Dying. I'm tired of seeing my friends, family pass away. I'm tired of seeing people get cancer, be in car accidents, get sick. But God gives us a picture of something better that's coming in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. You know this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's where we are right now. And there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I remember 26 years ago when the doors opened at the end of the church and my wife was there as my bride and I could not believe it. And I said, there is a God. Because I had been praying and praying and praying and this is off script, let's go off script quick. When I went to Andrews as a freshman, I was like, oh man, this is great. Hundreds of girls. This is easy. I'm going to get a girlfriend like this. Freshman year, zero. Sophomore year, too much time studying Greek. Junior year, nothing. Senior year, bad dating experience. Go to intern, go back to seminary. My mom would call me every Saturday night and say, what are you doing? And I'd say, studying. And she said, you're going to wind up in a church with your bunch of old ladies that are going to invite you over for lunch every week. <laughs> I'd say, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> Last year of seminary, I gave up. I gave up. My brother called me and he said, it's the debut of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Do you want to come over and watch it? And it was that or go to Almost Anything Goes in Johnson Gym at Andrews. I said, I know for sure I'm not going to meet anyone at my brother's house. So I went to Almost Anything Goes, met my wife. Seven weeks later, we were engaged. And the rest is history. So that's off script. But when I read this, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, God's got something good coming for us. Prepared something good for us. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be their God. And here's what I love. He'll wipe away every tear. And I have cried so much, so much gray hair lost hair, gained weight, going in the wrong direction. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. These things have passed away. I'm ready to live in a place like that. So ready. I want to real quick uh, finish with a quick story about my dog, Max. I have a picture. We have a picture of Max somewhere. Let's see if we can find it. I have had three. There's Max, my buddy. Uh, in Puerto Rico, real quick, I worked at a school. We found a litter of puppies. 
One was the runt, about this big. The others were like about this big. My kids wanted to take them home. Of course, they wanted the little one and another one. We took the little one home. Uh, the little one only survived one night. My wife called me and said, the dog is cold, you better come home before the kids get home from school. I went in the backyard, dug a hole, crying like nuts. I only had this dog for one day. But just this precious little animal, gone, buried it in the ground. And then my second, that was tiny. My second dog, Lucky, uh, that we brought home, he lasted about six months. And he got sick, and I took him to the vet, and the vet said that would be about six, $700 in medicine for us to treat him. I called my wife and said, what do I do? And she says, there's no way I'm touching that with a 10-foot pole. Because if I tell you to pay for it and he dies, you'll blame me for the money. And if I tell you not to do it and he dies, you'll blame me. So I asked the choir of the first service, what do you think I did? And they all thought that I let it die. I don't know what that means, but I shelled out the money. <laughs> I shelled out the money and tried. And he didn't make it. So two dogs there. And then Max... This is my buddy from Minnesota. We found him in Hutchinson, Minnesota. He was roaming around loose, and they were going to put him down. And he weighs 109 pounds, just a little more than I do. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, this dog was a blessing to us. We had some real issues with our children during this time. And this dog was very therapeutic and comforting, and, and I miss him. So we get a this crying, this dying, this losing of pets. It's time to end this all. It's time for Jesus to come back. I'm going to just close real quick with a, a photo and then a text. You remember the Iranian hostage crisis of the 1970s and 80s? Uh, I was in high school. We have a picture of that, of them coming home very quickly. These were 52 American hostages held in Iran for 444 days. Uh, part of the Iranian revolution against the Shah. And uh, they came home the very day that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. Jimmy Carter um, had to deal with it for the last two years of his presidency. The amazing thing, praise God, is they all came home. That's a miracle. And I remember um, just the news pictures and the joy of them coming off the plane. Here's where we're going, folks. Philippians 3.12. Paul had dual citizenship. He had Jewish citizenship. He had Roman citizenship. Paul says to us today, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Lord, the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a journey. We're going. We know where we're going. We're going home. We can be certain of what our final destination is. And in the process of going home, May this hope fill your mind with peace and joy, no matter what you're going through, your pain, your loss, that Jesus is coming soon to take us home. And as we wait for him to take us home, may we grab as many people as we can. May we love as many people as we can. May we share him with many, many people, as many as we can, because soon, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king.
sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow nor a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us. Soon His beauty will be more. Soon the early gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to Father in heaven, we begin our rejoicing now because we know that you have taken care of our sins and salvation on the cross. And as we walk this road, as we're in the going, we know where we're heading. Thank you for preparing a place for us. We long to be with you face to face, to worship with you and to embrace you and be together with all of our loved ones and family again. As we go out from here, Lord, may we live in such a way that we can share your love with others and bring them along on the journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.